A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. For now, this appears to be the best we can hope for, is, <laughs> is now our title. All right. All right. <laughs> I think that works. I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast, now hanging out with the guys at Obstructive View. We are not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but we're just a bunch of fans who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball and, of course, the 2016 World Series champion Cubs. Hi, right, this is Ken. You may know me on socials as Rice Cube. With me today is Jeff and Skip from Obstructive View. How are you gentlemen doing today? Doing good. Hanging in. Awesome. It's funny that we call it the local nine like I used to obviously live in Chicago. I don't anymore. I don't think any of us are actually local to Chicago, but we still enjoy uh, the Chicago Cubs as much as they piss us off. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> today we wanted to talk a little bit about the more recent additions. That includes Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini, as reported. Some missed opportunities from last year. Trade possibilities, perhaps with the Marlins starters, uh, perhaps some other team. Some roster and lineup optimization before any other surprises arise and any other items that you can come up with. So what do you guys think of that as a plan? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. I think it's a good plan. Sounds good. As the spring gave away to summer, past the ivy colored dreams, toward the days that kept us before the offseason actually started, I think we all looked at the 2022 Cubs and realized, oh, we basically need everything. We need to bolster the starting pitching. We need possibly more relief pitching. We need a catcher to back up Wilson Contreras, who is no longer here because they decided not to keep him. The corner infielders need a center fielder. Uh, I think the Cubs were able to do most of that. And I think uh, Jeff Passan in ESPN had an article today about how we had in Chicago a very sneaky good offseason. I don't like sneaky good, but I like actually seeing improvements. One of the cornerstones, I guess, for the infield is first base additions so that we don't have to rely on rushing a Matt Mervis, for example. So the official signing is Eric Hosmer, and the not-so-official signing at this time is Trey Mancini. What do you gentlemen think of this? The price was right. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not excited about it, but like the, they don't cost much, and they raise the floor, so I'm not annoyed by it either. <laughs> I'd say I, I feel like this offseason has really been a floor-raising offseason, more so than a swing-for-the-fences kind of offseason. The Cubs really needed to do that anyway because the floor was so low. I mean, I, I think they'll be more competitive. I actually like the Mancini signing a lot. I think, um, I mean, I realize he had a, a tough couple of months in Houston, but I think that... that or a tough couple you know, of years before that, too. <laughs> well, of course, right? But I think there's a lot of, I mean, in, in terms of upside, I think there's a lot of upside there. 
I think Hosmer's, that's where you're, you you say, Jeff, the price is right, right? For $700,000, Hosmer's a great signing. Do we expect anything from him? Well, I mean, if we get 15 home runs and 260 average, I think that's a win because it's a bench guy or a platoon guy. So I think that's okay. You guys think of him beating the, the ball into the ground all the time, too, with the new shift restrictions. Some of those will squeak through, but... I feel like there's going to be a lot of extremely annoying ground outs still from him. He might not be the best clubhouse guy. It really depends on who you talk to. I think for the most part, like people like playing with him. And he obviously has won a World Series before. So he was part of that Royals team that surprised everyone for a couple of years and then went back to sucking. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, like parlaying that into a big contract, good for him, right? Like you, you do want to, the guys to get paid, but uh, at least the Cubs aren't the ones paying it. And the good news for him is like, if it turns out that he really, really sucks, then they're just out the league minimum and they call him yeah, that nervous at that point. It's easy to cut him if, if, if it doesn't work out. So it's pretty much no risk. Well, look, you know, if, if he's, if he's kind of so, so productive, but you still want to bring Mervis up and you don't want to get rid of Mancini, then maybe you can even trade him for something. If he's semi-decent at 700,000, then that's a, that's a commodity. Absolutely. I think cash consideration is still available. I think the guys over at Bleacher Nation, you know, asked on, on Twitter about what Hosmer's reputation was in the clubhouse. And there were a whole bunch of major leaguers that actually responded to that and said, yeah, he's really a good guy. Perhaps some of that is just that he didn't perform in San Diego and the, and the writers and the, and the, uh, the fans got down on him. If you lose the writers, then, you know, you're going to get this never ending sort of trope about you know how somebody's not that great in the clubhouse or or whatever right and um sometimes it's pretty hard to shake that even if it's not true you said skip that this was a raise the floor type off season i felt like they could have done both but i also understand that there's like finite resources and the rickets probably have other things in mind with the money even if they don't sell, tell you right off the bat this is the team that we have there's not going to be much more because they're skirting the first tier of the luxury tax very soon. So there's not much they can add. There's not much to add anyway, because the free agent mar market has basically dried up. I guess there's a little bit of disappointment on my part, but at the same time, I'm excited to see what they can do. I'm excited to see them try to stay at 500 and maybe add at the deadline. And I also hope that there's a possibility for trades right now. And uh, one of the big teams that are, I guess, open for business is the Marlins. And they have given us an indication that everybody not named Sandy Alcantara is open for business. So besides the Marlins, who else do you think the Cubs can target? I kind of feel like one of the missed opportunities was that the Cubs didn't go a little harder into the starting pitcher market. And I really feel like they could have gone after Verlander or another one of the sort of the more top tier starters. Aside from the, the, the Marlins seem to be the guys that are that are open for business in terms of starters. Maybe isn't there some some excess potentially in San Diego? It seems like I have seen some discussion about that they may have some starters available. It'd be pretty funny if we got you Darvish back. <laughs> He's probably not available though. <laughs> I'll take that. 
I think uh, you made a good point. Because they had signed Bogarts and because Tatis is coming back, San Diego might be willing to trade from their shortstop and middle infield depth. So there could be a chance to get like a Cronenworth or a Sung Kim. But I feel like the Cubs are already okay in that department with, you know, Nico and Dansby Swanson. There's not as much of a need there. I think I do agree with you. I'd like to see a boost in the starting pitching. I think the Cubs can deal with relief pitching in-house. I firmly believe that because of the pitching infrastructure in place. They could probably still use a upgrade at third base. One of those guys could probably go there too if uh, they're looking to do a trade. Yeah, I guess we could take a look at the prospect list as, as of this recording. The Baseball America folks had three of the Cubs' top prospects in their top 100 list. So that's uh, Pete Armstrong, Brennan Davis, and Kevin Alcantara. All of them are outfielders. And at some point, you know, Cody Vellinger is going to go his own way. Ian Happ, if he's not extended, will go his own way. So that's like potentially one or two spots that you need to fill. And that's where those guys are headed. I don't think those three are going anywhere. But because the Cubs have now such a deep farm system, I think they can trade from some of that depth to snag one of the Marlins starters if that's what they choose to do. That might not be until midseason, though. So I kind of don't anticipate too many trades right now. But who knows, right? Like they always play things so close to the chest that sometimes it's just like, oh, this happened, 10,000 tweets. And then, <laughs> yeah, official. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind seeing somebody else to play center field because I guess aside from Bellinger, our other center fielder is Christopher Morell, or we move Ian Happ over or Velasquez. I guess he plays a little bit of center, but it feels to me like center's really un- unsettled yet, as well as third base, like Jeff said. It feels like there's some moves that could be made. I mean, I don't know. Do we want Max Kepler? He seems to be available. But maybe those are just things we figure out mid-season at this point. My guess is that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I don't think they should necessarily. I mean, the, after seeing the Cardinals' Zips projections that came out, like, I'm like, eh, we don't need to push that hard this season. <laughs> just just keep building and developing, guys. Sad to say that I think the Cardinals are going to be really good this year. I actually added up all the little war numbers that Zimbrowski set up. We have the St. Louis Cardinals with 48.6 wins above replacement. Milwaukee's right at their ankles at 44.4. And then you get a big gap and then you see the Cubs. And then there's another big gap and then you see the Pirates and the Reds. So the Cubs are essentially 13 war behind the division leaders. And I feel like because of what the other teams in the league have done, that a wild card from the NL Central is not impossible. But at the same time, there's like different ways that we could potentially book the narrative, right? Like, is it possible that Matt Mervis destroys 40 baseballs this year? Is it possible that Suzuki and Ian Happ take another step forward? Hopefully, Dansby Swanson continues to hit fly balls over the wall. The other plan that we have talked about is the defense. So maybe that is the uh, market inefficiency. Like the Cardinals are notoriously good at defense. Like they have gold glovers seemingly at every position. And now the Cubs do too. I think the Brewers are significantly worse on defense. And then we won't even talk about the Pirates or the Reds. 
So essentially, the Cubs just have to overtake two teams in front of them. And that sounds easy coming from my mouth, but we know it's not. But I think the fact that they have probably an advantage on defense and have comparable uh, pitching rotation at this point to the Cardinals, that could provide a few X factors. And uh, I have been joking, right? The Cubs probably don't score a bunch of runs, but they're going to prevent a bunch of runs. And so you're going to play 162-1-0 games and maybe the Cubs win 90 of them. Who knows? Yeah, that's really possible. I mean, if, I mean, I'd be happy to, I'd be, would love to see them get aggressive with trades if they have a good first half. But for, for now, I think that they're just, they'd just be adding guys at the margins at this point. So, you know, the, the, the ceiling for the team that I think would be like, you know, maybe, maybe they can get a wild card spot. And um, I think that would be a good year. And if things really, really blow up, then, uh, you know, we can reconsider. 2015, a replay of that. That'd be fine. Could totally, I would totally live with that. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. I mean, I think I think the most important thing that this I guess is related to the these high floor signings. You know, if I'm still paying attention to the team by Memorial Day, that that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that was not the that was not the case last year, and I I totally missed kind of the the kind of decent second half they had. The second half was much more entertaining than the first half, uh, for sure, Jeff. There are some prospects who who I, I expect will come up um, and and contribute. I'm not sure exactly who they're going to be. You know, you can look at the list and see who's projected to to come up. But, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, well, it's definitely going to be Alcantara or it's going to be Miguel Amaya. We've been waiting for him forever, but maybe this is the year he finally gets healthy and he shows he can hit more than Tucker Barnhart or maybe Jan Gomez, either one. And, and he comes up like Contreras did and, and really contributes in the second half of a, of a, of the year. And part of this surprise, right? And because in 15, we also had guys that came up and and, you know, did more than what we expected them to. And, and it, I think that the Cubs could do that. They could also end up like the Detroit Tigers last year that had a lot of prospects that, and, and young players that they were hoping turned the corner, and they ended up all getting either injured or not performing whatsoever. So it, it really kind of feels like it's a coin flip. But I, I feel like the the floor, like, like we said before, I still think the floor is is higher than 58 wins or something like that. It, it, it feels like the floor is 75 and, and could easily be 10 or 15 games higher than that. Based on Zips, uh, the Cubs have 35.4 war, and that was before the Mancini and Hosmer signings. So maybe add a couple wins to that. Uh, now you're at 37. You add that to, I think it's 49 wins for a replacement level team. That's 84. So you're you're above 500 as our floor right now, as it stands on paper. Yeah, I mean this this team won 74 games last year, and I think they're better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe maybe they, not maybe not maybe not a lot better, but, but better than I think 74 was probably a, a fair total for this team yeah. for last year. So you know they they can flirt with 500. Yeah, and they, they just need to sneak in another 10 or 15 wins at past that to overtake the Cardinals. And again, it sounds easy coming from my mouth, but you, you can see scenarios where that could happen. Like a couple of years back, the Giants won 107 games and you looked at that team and you're like, that's not a 107 win team. 
but they did it with the randomness of baseball. You you can totally see a situation where it can happen. They also so, had really effective platoons on that on that team. So they had a whole lot of guys that didn't you know that didn't get the 500 plate appearances, but that had I don't know 400, 450, something like that, and and played the platoons, uh, and they did really well in that scenario. And that could actually there are some places where the Cubs lineup set up that way too. With the Cubs as currently constructed, I see a lot of like handedness platoons. I think there's kind of batter type platoons where you have some guys who physically hit the ball to all fields and then other guys who will send it over the wall if they make contact. And then I think Ian Happ at the Cubs convention was talking about the shift restrictions and how they, they don't have to try to direct the ball anymore. They can literally go up there and just try to hit the piss out of the ball. Uh, you can see a situation where uh, you basically have the regular lineup against right-handed pitchers, your general starters, and then you have the tough lefty lineup. Who's leading off? Oh. Look at the projections. <laughs> I, I think Nico Horner leads off. I like him in the leadoff spot. He can he can put the ball in play. He's got a little bit of power. I mean, not a whole lot, but um, I, I think uh, he's a smart base runner. I think he's the leadoff guy. Yeah, I agree. I'd probably bet, uh, say, a second, too. A lot of the projections, uh, or the predictions from the pundits, as it were, suggest that Dansby Swanson, Ian Happ, and Seiya Suzuki are always hitting two through four. I think I like that, actually. A few of the early ones, especially from the marquee uh, Sports Network guys, they suggested either Hosmer or Nick Madrigal lead off. I don't like either of those. But I, I think well, I would at least Hosmer can't hit into many uh, double plays hitting lead off. <laughs> that is true. At least not not to begin the inning. So that's good. But uh, yeah, I, I think I would agree with you, gentlemen. Nico Horner would be probably the best choice for that. I did a few like test lineups to just try to change up the handedness because I think a lot of Cubs teams in the past have tried to just kind of switch up the handedness, have a left lefty and then a righty, a switch hitter, et cetera, et cetera. There are certain parts in the lineup where you can't do a straight up alternation, but uh, you do that enough for the most part. And then you have the minimum three, three batters per pitcher so that they can't platoon the pitcher as well. And that you could see an inning continuing because of that. You also have some swing and miss in the lineup, but I think for the most part, uh, the top four guys, if you have Nico, uh, Swanson, Ian Happ, and Suzuki, one through four, all of those guys should be able to make contact and have strikeout rates that should be comfortably below 30%. You're hoping for a little bit of contact to set the table, and then, you know, maybe Cody Bellinger runs into one. Maybe Hosmer does the same. Uh, I, I think there's enough in the top four to make sure that you might be able to score two or three runs a game consistently. Uh, much more than that, I, I think, is icing on the cake. But there, there's enough in that lineup to set the table at the very least. So let me, let me ask you a question. See what you think. Do you really think that Hosmer and, and Trey Mancini are going to be in, uh, in the same lineup that often? Oh, we do it at DH time. I figure, I figure actually Mancini will get a lot of DH time would be my guess. But wouldn't you rather have Mancini at first if he's going to play? Because Hosmer's not that great at defense. And then you could either have Patrick Wisdom or somebody else uh, in the lineup. Yeah, I'm just thinking more just because Hosmer is a lefty. He'll probably get in most. I mean, it'll probably be a quasi-platoon anyway. 
I don't think he's going to be written in a pen every week, every, every day, every day. <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yeah. Was that hallucinating or did Hosmer ever win a gold glove? If if he did, that's further evidence that gold gloves are kind of good. <laughs> yeah. That was my second question is, I, is it a I legitimate gold did. glove or I is think... it one of those like, well, I don't know who else. So I'll just vote for him. Gold gloves. I think he did win a gold glove, and I think it was one of those. And and I'm actually going back to look real quick. He's, he's won four four gold gloves. <laughs> Are you kidding? I am not kidding. Oh man! Well, I'll tell you what. Whatever, man. But uh, <laughs> I mean, the the last few years that I've seen him, he has not really been that great of a of a fielder. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe he does play first more and Mancini DHs or Patrick Wisdom or whoever and. I guess we'll wait and see. But honestly, I I think I between all the ground balls we're going to see, I I just feel like he ought to be um like the one third of the time player instead of more often than that. He was he was at least okay in some of the other stats uh, earlier in his career when he won those gloves. I mean, he wasn't blowing anyone away, but in Fangraphs it looks laughable to have him win gold gloves. <laughs> Well, wasn't he winning them when when Kansas City was also winning? And and you know sometimes uh, winning teams, you know the the players on those teams got a little extra credit because the teams are winning. Yeah, that's true. Like even though they're supposed to stop voting when the season is over, they'll look at who actually made the playoffs, give them extra brownie points for that. Yeah, yeah, and go and gloves are weird too, just in the way that I mean, I mean, I thought Rizzo was pretty good first baseman, but the way that they did. He kept winning all these like platinum gloves because people were just kind of picking him by default, I guess. <laughs> uh, we may never see another first baseman win a platinum glove, so we we always have that that we can that we can hang our hat on in 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 Cub fandom. I think Nico probably should have won something by now, but uh, I, I'm good with Gold Glove finalist and Gold Glover at the middle infield positions, and, and then you got a Gold Glover in the center field, you got a Gold Glover in left field. Got a gold glove catcher. It's pretty nice to have an entire chunk of the diamond patrolled by gold glovers. One thing that we we can think about is how much the catching position is really going to enhance the pitching, whether by reputation or by metrics. The Cardinals essentially have a downgraded catcher, which logically should downgrade their entire rotation. And then the Cubs have essentially the same rotation. But now they get an upgrade at the catching on the defensive side. Maybe that's a way that they can even up the playing field just a bit. Obviously, we have PCA, Davis, and Alcantara at the top. But then there are a few pitchers like Kate Horton and Jordan Wicks who probably won't come up this year because you want to keep them stretched out. But later on, you have Ben Brown, who's a highly touted prospect. Uh, they protected him in Rule 5. Alexander Canario, who is also an outfielder, but he got hurt. And so hopefully he recovers. And then that's someone that you might see along with Brennan Davis. I think PCA, because he hasn't even gone to Iowa yet. Did he make it to double A? I, I think he, he was just in South Bend, so he hasn't even made it to double A yet, right? I think you're right. Okay. Yeah, so he, he probably won't come up until September when the when the rosters expand. Then you got Owen Casey, who's sort of the same. Wisneski, I, I penciled in for the rotation because he just 
was just really, really good in the times that you saw him. And then if like Caleb Killian ever remembers how to throw a strike, that that could be a pretty good good weapon because at some point somebody in the rotation is going to go on the injured list or need a day off and you're going to have to call up some of these guys anyway. I think we're definitely going to see Caleb Killian again um, un- unless he just really falls apart. I think Wesneski probably opens the, the season uh, on the roster because I, I think they probably will take and do some piggybacking early on uh, so that guys like Hendricks and, well, maybe Smiley don't have to go too many uh, innings in each game. I think, you know, uh, Kevin Alcantara, he could, he could potentially get, get up. Brendan Davis, he says, uh, he's never felt better, right? So the same spring training, uh, the same thing we hear every spring training, but you know, best if his back his is yeah. best shape of his life. Yeah. If, if his back's in good shape, then I definitely think we'll see him at some point too. But I, 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 I doubt that we see him without him spending some time in AAA first. You know, I'd be super surprised by that. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I, I think part of the idea behind getting a Hosmer and a Mancini, in addition to raising the floor, is to just give Matt Mervis some more time. Uh, maybe teach him how to be a better defensive first baseman, because apparently that's part of the flaw in his game. There are obvious flaws on this roster, but I feel like they're going to be fundamentally good on defense. They're going to pitch well, and we're going to see a lot of pitcher duels they have at least that baseline. And so if you can prevent the other team from scoring, it's kind of like NCAA basketball, right? Like in the tournament, like you let the number 16 seed stay close and eventually they're going to upset you, which finally did happen, right? So (laughs) yeah, we'd like to see that. And I think uh, with better pitching, better defense, you have that particular baseline from which to build on. And I'd love to... Uh, see a surprise like maybe this is the 107 win giants but now it's the cubs but that's more wishful thinking on my part i think a 2015 cubs wildcard team is is probably uh more likely than 107 win giants team but um as we said before we, we would totally take that the other thing in terms of prospects is is the cubs have a lot of guys that are you know, either have to be on the 40 man or, you know, they have to DFA them or, or something. And they got a lot more that are going to be in that same position at the end of the season. And so like guys like um, Lewis Devers, or he's probably going to start the year in double A, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come up uh, as a, as a relief pitcher so they can see what they've got with him. Uh, if they're still trying to maximize what they have with their young talent and figure that out, then, then they, they got to start making some decisions on some of these, some of these fellows that have been around for a while. So I think you'll see, particularly in the, in the bullpen, you'll see a lot of these, these fellows that they have to decide whether to cut them at the end of the year or not. And that could be actually kind of fun, right? I mean, uh, it's kind of neat to watch these guys start, you know, like we did with, um, Brandon Hughes, is it that that struck all these guys out the same time that Morrell was hitting home runs on their debut? That that's I think I think that's pretty fun baseball. Absolutely, and I'm glad you reminded me of DFA's because somebody has to 
leave so that they can officially sign Trey Mancini. I was just going to say, in, in terms of, of this season, I think, um, you know, for, for those of us that suffered through the, the last few seasons where you, you got to watch the most annoying things in baseball, which to me are errors and strikeouts, that at least um, those will be less this year. So I don't know how many wins we're going to have, but at least it won't be nearly as annoying baseball as it, as it has been in the recent past. Now, for the casual fan that wants to see you know, a lot of scoring and things, then this is probably not the team for them either. But but for those of us that have been around for a while, I think we're at least going to have a little better product to watch. It'll be a, a breath of air, not a breath of fresh air. <laughs> No, you got the regular uh, where Sammy questions, and depending on who you talk to, Sammy probably doesn't even want to join the Cubs or rejoin the Cubs anymore, and I don't really blame him because of the way he's treated, despite the fact that he probably did take PEDs and he had to cork that and whatever. I don't really care. I, I just enjoy oh, the God. memories, you know? How, how but, much do uh, I not care about the cork that story? <laughs> <laughs> There's also a sports book. You, you guys seen the pictures? Uh, so Danny Rocket on, on Twitter has been posting pictures every now and then of the sports book under construction. It looks okay. It, it's where the Captain Morgan Club used to be. And I think the Captain Morgan Club is still there. It's just on the bottom floor, but it's like a big glass building that looks very similar to what the triangle building looks like. The sidewalk looks wide. I moved all the statues to to the triangle area. Uh, Ryan Sandberg's going to get a statue. That's kind of cool. And I, I guess at some point, probably long after the Ricketts are dead and, and have sold the team, we'll probably get a Sammy Sosa statue. Most of the moves this offseason have been justified, if not, again, a little dis- disappointing. But, uh, you know, what you're going to do? This is the best we can hope for right now, and maybe they'll improve in 2024. If they improve in 2023, that would be great. Uh, and then they can further improve and, um, you know, go deep in the playoffs in 2024. I think that is a realistic ex- expectation. And if the Ricketts uh, and, and Jed Hoyer don't provide that, then, uh, you know, there aren't enough Rotten Tomatoes in California to throw at them. Yeah, I think the, some people might get fired if that happens. So they, they have to sell tickets. They've been like emailing me all over the place saying, here's an eight, eight pack and here's like a BYOB pack. Eh. They're they're just being extremely creative and trying to sell tickets. And unfortunately, I don't live in Chicago. Otherwise, I'd probably go for an eight-pack. I'm kind of excited to see them in San Francisco this year. Thank you guys for hanging out with me tonight. I really appreciate it. You can find us all on Obstructed View. That's obstructedviewoneword.net. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. We want to thank Rich Deanna for our theme song and Randall Sanders for pulling the final out from the 2016 World Series that people forget. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts. Any last words, gents? Uh, Nope, just actually looking forward to the season a little bit now, which is weird to say after the first few years. (laughs) Past few years.
Yep. Well, we, we hope you can make it past Memorial Day this year, Jeff. I'm going to go out on a limb and predict that uh, the DFA that um, allows us to announce, I forget whoever it is, Mancini, I guess, is going to be Anthony K. Okay. Do you think that's because they're just trying to pass them through waivers and outright them? Or yes. because, okay. Yeah, because the guy that I was thinking of, because they do need a lefty, they can either sign like Andrew Javen again, or they can keep K and DFA like a Michael Rucker. I I think Michael Rucker is redundant, but uh, that doesn't mean I don't think highly of him. I just think he is has a profile that is redundant. If you're DFAing someone, it's probably one of the relievers because the Cubs have all kinds right now thing. Uh, we are a month away from spring training, guys. Uh, just after Valentine's Day, pitchers and catchers report. Uh, a few days before that, the, all the guys who are going to play in the World Baseball Classic will report. And then, you know, about a week after, you'll see everybody else in camp. So February is right around the corner, and that's really exciting. So if you can, go to Arizona while it's not blistering hot. And if you can't, then... Hopefully there is a way that you can watch marquee feeds of spring training, whether legally or otherwise. Can't wait. Can't wait for spring training to get started. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And as always, go Cubs. Go Cubs. Go Cubs. It was more than just a game. Unexpected uh, surprise. We ended up adopting two dogs. <laughs> oh, cool. What kind? Cocker Spaniels. <laughs> nice. It was more than just a game.